0: Everybody have a good Christmas? Is it good? Good. It doesn't seem like it was good. Everybody's just kind of like, Rawr. are you still in the food coma from Christmas? Because I know I am. Um, my wife's grandmother makes the best chocolate fudge on the planet. And I know people say that about things, but I think if she actually, like, put it into market, um, she'd be a billionaire. And I think she missed her calling. Um, she should have made fudge for a living. Like, it's so good. And I eat that. She sent us, like, a box of it, and I eat it every day. Um, There's a thing in the family called breakfast fudge because it's so good you get up and you eat it for breakfast. Um, So I had breakfast fudge this morning for breakfast. So I'm feeling a little sugar high. So bear with me on that. But y'all, this Christmas was really, really um, good for me. Um, It was a Christmas of growth. It was a Christmas of rest. Um, It was kind of like, I guess, the end of a beginning of a new season for Lauren and I moving from Kentucky. We've been here for about six months now. Um, actually, December 25th was six months for us, so that was kind of exciting, and we got to be here, we got to have Lauren's family um, from, who lives in Murfreesboro come down and be with us, and be with us in our house, and we loved that. It was so much fun to have um, them in the house with us, and they have a golden doodle that is unbelievably high energy and does, is never not happy, um, and we have a 70 pound dog who loves just to like play and be silly, so they had a great time with each other, I got my first pair of skinny jeans, um, which I'm wearing today, um, so that was fun. I thought, well, Tyler's not here, I might as well wear my skinny jeans. Uh, ben is probably rolling over at his house, um, like this is awful, um, but it was great. But something else that was kind of crazy about this season for us is um, we bought a house and that was fun and everything, but uh, right after First Light, for those who don't know, I was in a car accident. Um, I was sitting at a red light uh, for about 30 seconds and a lady hit me from behind at 45 or 50 miles an hour, had no idea I was there, had no idea the light was red, anything. Um, so it's kind of been a crazy few weeks kind of dealing with that, dealing with insurance, which is insurance. If you work in insurance, I'm sorry, but they insurance companies, are awful. <laughs> like they really are just like super, super mean. I feel like this is really far up, so I'm gonna scoot it back. Um, I think there, it was just kind of, it's been crazy dealing with that. And so yesterday, I made, we made the big adult decision of buying a new car. And so we bought a 2011 Honda Pilot. Um, It's much bigger than my Honda Element. So that's kind of crazy. But it was kind of like a weird ending to this season of like, wow, I feel like an adult. (laughs) The past few years, I worked with college kids and I lived this college kid life for eight years, um, four years in college and basically four years after. And now I feel like a full on adult. And so this is kind of fun for me. Um, it's also stressful because I like to be obnoxious and loud and crazy. That's why I'm the youth pastor. Um, but I get to be um, an adult, which is kind of cool and fun. And so that's just kind of where we are right now. So that's the kind of place that I'm coming to you uh, when I give this sermon today. Um, I come to you as a real person that's going, going through real life experiences. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is because Jesus arrived, this gospel that he brought is so real in every aspect of our lives. So um, if we can throw the first slide up, we're gonna, I'm gonna read the scripture and then we're gonna pray and then we'll get into it. Sound good? Sweet. Um, It should be up there, is it not? No? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are good and that you reign on high. We thank you that your word came in flesh and made his dwelling among us. We thank you that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you that he was born, raised, dead and buried, and resurrected father that he has ascended to heaven that he will come again so father we ask that today that you would be with us that you would be in my words that my words wouldn't be mine but they'd be yours father that um, our thoughts would be your thoughts and that all glory today would be given to you so father we love you we thank you that you are here in this place you were here before we arrived and that father we thank you that you plan to move your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. All right, so keep this up for me just a second. So we see in this passage, um, it's kind of talking, it starts out with talking about gardening, talks about plants. Um, And for us, plants um, are a great way for us to make our house look really good. Um, Again, we just bought a house here and there's been a lot of gardening going on. Uh, We did a lot on the inside, we did a big renovation on the inside. Uh, But when it comes to doing stuff outside, um, my wife's like, let's plant flowers, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm like, can we build a deck in a fire pit? Like, that's what I wanna do. Um, to me, planting, it means like putting something in the ground, watching it grow and be really beautiful, and then watching it die. <laughs> um, and so it's just been, it's, gardening is not something that um, I love or that I enjoy, but my father is the exact opposite. Uh, my dad uh, was a landscape uh, architect for a long time, and then uh, he switched jobs and became I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Go Vols, uh, by the way. Um, Sorry. Hey, Georgia should have been in the championship, by the way. That Notre Dame game was pathetic. So if you're Notre Dame fans in here, I'm sorry, but it's true. That was bad. Georgia, you should have been in it. So just giving you that. Anyway, um, so my dad um, then led a community garden um, program, and hundreds and hundreds of gardens across the city he would go and till them and hand out seeds and grow seeds in a a massive greenhouse and hand those out. And that's what he did. That's what he did as a living. My dad loved it. He loved, loved, loved gardening. And so I grew up gardening all the time. I grew up planting things, making sure the soil was right, that it was um, not too dense, but also not too loose where the plant would fall over and die. Uh, Go out there and water it, set up the sprinkler and watch the cat run out of the garden because the sprinkler hit it like, That was the fun part. That's what I always looked forward to. Um, But my dad loved it. And so I grew up gardening. And maybe that's the reason that um, I don't enjoy it as much. Um, But for me, it just didn't seem like anything. Um, Because all it was was to make something look pretty. Um, When I felt like there was some more structured things that we could do instead of having to do this year after year after year after year. Um, But I think for us, because of this, we see gardening completely different in our day and age than in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, and in this ancient culture, gardening was a way of life. They were an agricultural community. Gardening brought health and wealth and life to a community. And so we see in multiple um, passages, in Numbers 24 and Amos 9.14 and Genesis 2.8, if we can bring that up, um, Genesis 2 says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east. And so I think, first of all, let's just stop there and think that the Lord planted it. So isn't, like when we see all the creation, he goes, okay, plants, okay, fish in the sea, okay, animals that walk around. Like, I feel like it happened kind of like this. Um, And if you believe in science background, it maybe happened over time. And that doesn't, the point is that doesn't really matter. But the thing that's really cool is that for me, growing up planting with my father Planting takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to get a garden to look right and to feel right and to move right. And for big plants that go really big, not to overcrowd the small little plants that don't grow big. Like these different things. And the Lord planted a garden. He took time. He said, this is where I'm gonna put the man. This is where I'm gonna put Adam. This is where I'm gonna put Eve. And they're gonna live here. He said, I wanna make sure this place is something special. So he took time, he took this effort to plant a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And then um, Isaiah 51.3, which is also a slide we have. Uh, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving the sound of singing. That's just cool. Like he's saying here, Isaiah is prophesying. We've been in Isaiah 61, but he's prophesying here in 51 that the Lord will take our deserts. He will take everything that is nothing in us and make it Eden. He will take the time to plant, to grow, to nourish, to bring forth life in us and make. All the wastelands that we see in our lives spring up with life. This time in this desert that we have in our lives because of sin, the Lord says, no, I will make that fertile ground and I will grow plants. I will grow fruit from you. And so with this, um, I kind of want to go into like what it means um, to plant something here. So again, when we plant a plant, especially with like one that's not even grown yet, if we plant a seed, and we put the seed into fertile ground. And we make sure it's nice and covered up in good, good soil. And we water it, and we water it, and we water it, and we water it again. And then finally, a little piece of green comes up. And it's like exciting, but you're also like, I can still screw this up. You know, <laughs> like, I can still, like, overwater it, let it get too dry. And then this life that's happening will, will pass away. And, but then the roots start to go out as it gets... Nourishment from the sun as it rains. Roots go out and it forms this, this sturdiness. And we see in scripture, even that it talks about like these majestic oaks, these cedars that grow along waters, these massive trees. I even think of Sequoia National Park with these massive, massive trees that we see growing. The root system that must be underneath like is unbelievable to me. Like it's just phenomenal to think about. And this is what a seed does. Something is small as a seed can grow into something major. But we see that with our lives in Scripture. We see that, that God plants the seed within us. That Jesus is the soil and the water that helps it grow. And the Spirit brings this fruit. Spirit brings the fruit and this plant to maturity. Um, I think so often, and we, we've all seen this, and I know I can attest to this even myself, and being guilty of this, with people that, they live out this spirit, this plant that's been grown in them with immature fruit. Can we all agree with that, that we've seen that um, in the church before? And it's sad. We see it with with spiritual gifts of um, speaking in tongues in the wrong way, but we also see it with spiritual gifts of preaching in the wrong way. Um, And it's rampant in, in the Christian church throughout the world, especially here in America. But that's not what the spirit does. The spirit, I think so often we're afraid of the spirit because of that. The Spirit brings mature fruit. He brings us this fruit that brings life, brings something new to it. And so what's really beautiful about the story of a plant, and this is what we're getting to for today's topic, is Jesus arrived. We've been talking about this arrival series. Jesus arrived to make us a new creation. He arrived to grow this new creation out of the ground, give it a root system, nourishment, water it, and to bring fruit that then more can come. So I want to go into that. Well, can we get 2 Corinthians five seventeen up? It says, "Therefore, if anyone in Christ, the new create; if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here." Exclamation points. I love that verse from Paul. I think this is such a cool mindset that we are new. Um, again, youth pastor and me, I'm also a huge fan of like superheroes and. Marvel movies, um, super excited about Marvel Endgame. That trailer was awesome. Um, Justin's up here like, yes. He's, in, he's like in, in acting and in modeling, so he's like, this is cool. Um, but I, wish, I wish this meant that I could be like a superhero. Um, I wish that meant that I could be like, you know, amen and go fly. Like, that would be the coolest thing to me in the world, like to be able to have laser beams that shoot out my eyes when I want or to read your minds, even though that might not be good right now, because then I'd be like, wow, oh, I suck. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. I know that's not true. But I think what's really cool about this is when we do have the Holy Spirit, we are kind of like superheroes. We are made something new. We are made something better than ourselves. Ben gave a great um, message last week when he talked about us being adorned in new robes and new garments, being Having jewels placed on us. What's really cool is that is it's all that's been placed on us. And so he doesn't take us and remove us and give us, make us a new, like, oh, here's the new Tater. Like, no, like it's, hey, here's Tater. And here's what he's become. Look what he's being clothed in. Look what he's being made. And what's really beautiful about that is that as a new creation, we are the best version of ourselves. Christ didn't make any mistakes when he created you. I'm gonna say that again. Christ made no mistakes when he made you. And I know that sometimes I don't believe that. I know that sometimes I think, you made mistakes when you made me. I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not athletic, I'm not as smart, I'm not as silly, I'm not as happy, I'm not as whatever. But Christ didn't make mistakes when he made us. He said, no, I made you for a perfect, you are beautiful because you've been made in my image. But he gives us, but we are tainted with shame. We are tainted with the sin that comes within us. So he makes us a new creation by adorning us in himself. I think the most beautiful picture of this is um. We see when Jesus raises from the dead, he comes up and the first people he encounters are people that are walking on the road, right? And they're walking and Jesus appears and comes down next to them and starts talking to them. And they, they're believers of Jesus. They're believers in the Messiah. Yet they have no idea that Jesus is standing right next to him. And I think for us, we're like, hey guys, like, duh, like, <laughs> How, you've seen him. You spent time with this guy. How do you not notice that this is Jesus the Messiah? But he looks different. But he looks the same. There's something different about Jesus when he's rose, risen from the dead. Risen, risen from the dead. There's something different about him. That's he's still the same, but he's different enough that they don't even recognize. And it's not till the very end of this conversation that they're like. Oh my gosh, that's Jesus. And we even see as Jesus appears to the disciples, we always say doubting Thomas. Like how, how much does Thomas have to doubt? And I don't think Thomas is a doubter. I think Thomas is not willing to be deceived. Um, if you can go with me on that, I just think Thomas isn't willing to say, oh, you're Lord, fine, cool, sounds great. Like, he's like, no, I wanna make sure that this is the Lord. He says, let me touch your scars. Let me, I, let me touch you. He's like, come here, touch the holes. Touch them, they're real. And even Thomas looks at him and says, there's something different about you, so different enough that I can't say it's you yet. And that's what he's given us. He's given us this opportunity to put on these garments and become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The new is here, but yet we're still ourselves. we're We're still us good because Christ made us that way. But he's making us into something greater. In John chapter one, verses 12 through 13, it says, yet to those who believed, to those who believed in his glorious name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And I read that and I'm like, wow, like that's so cool. I get to be born of God. Well, what's that mean? <laughs> like, what's that look like? And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see, we shall see him as he really is. And that's the promise. That's the promise as we put on these robes that Ben talked about last week, as we put on these jewels, as we grow into this new creation that Christ has planted within us, we become like him. We become more and more like Jesus. We, become, we recognize more and more our need for grace and we become more and more like Jesus because we put more and more of him on. We become this new creation, this ideal creation that Christ created us to be, that Satan said, I don't want any part of that. I don't want them to grow to that. But Christ says, no, I'm not finished with them yet. I mean, if you think about it, God could have said in Eden, you ate the apple, dang it. (laughs) Like, but I don't think God was surprised. He wouldn't have put it there if it would have surprised him, you know? God said, no, 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 I will redeem you. And I will redeem you in such a way that when you screw up, you're still redeemed. Ben talks about the, the sacrifice that was made between Abraham Abram at that time and God and this covenant that happened. Um, what Ben was talking about here is when the, the flame passed through these sacrifices, when the flame of the Lord passed through this sacrifice, the Lord is saying, when you screw up Abraham, when the descendants that are as numerous as the stars screw up, when you don't live up to the expectations of the law that's gonna be coming through Moses. When you don't live up to the expectations of the Lord, which we don't, don't worry, Abraham. I'll take the punishment. When you all mess up, I will become like this. Lamb. And That's what's so beautiful about the gospel is that God says when, when we mess up, when, when Tater screws up and becomes lesser than he is, Jesus says, I'll take that on the cross. I'll die for that, so that he can be like me. Jesus becomes like us on the cross so that we can become like him before God. And so what's what's fantastic about this is we come to know more and more how we look like Jesus. We recognize that that Jesus calls us into something greater. He calls us into this, this resurrected life. But two things have to happen before resurrection. And we see this with Jesus. Death, burial, and then the glory of resurrection. And the cool thing is, is, and I don't, I mean, Isaiah was pretty awesome. So I'm sure he figured this out when he said this thing. But it's cool to think of a plant in this, even the same way. Plant is buried, grows to life, produces fruit dies, seeds go in the ground again, life, resurrection, fruit, death, burial. It's just this continuous life that happens. And I think what Jesus is calling us here to is something greater when it comes to our death, burial, and resurrection. We've all heard this when it comes to baptism. And again, burial and resurrection make total sense when it comes to this. But sometimes this death aspect still doesn't make total sense to us. And in Romans uh, chapter six, verses one through four, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into the death or into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may have new life. So this death is the start of new life. What God does here is he flips everything on its head and says, death is no longer the end. Death is the beginning. Death no longer ends everything. But instead, it brings life. And it's something that I think we, we as humans try to wrap our mind around and we can say, okay. But I don't think it's something that we will ever fully understand. We talk about the mysteries, the great mysteries of God. Him being a triune God is something that we can think about and understand, but never fully get. You know what I mean? Like, fully all these characteristics and being full of grace and truth. How can you be full of two things? (laughs) Like to me, it just, it doesn't quite make sense. We can say we know it to be true, but it doesn't totally make sense. This is one of those things that God, probably for me, his greatest mystery somehow has made it so that death turns to life. Death doesn't end everything anymore. Death brings everything now. And so what's so beautiful finally with this is that as a plant dies, it brings seeds and fruit. Seeds and fruit. So if we can get the first slide back up with the 6111. Um, So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Righteousness and praise. The fruit of the spirit, which we've all heard in Galatians love, joy, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, self-control, all that. All of that brings something into our lives. These are, these are the manifestations of what's good in our life. But what I think is even cooler with that is that these things bring righteousness and praise out of us. In, um, in John, it says that uh, Abraham was considered righteous. Or no, sorry, James. In James, it says, Abraham was considered righteous because of the, his faith and his deeds. His righteousness came from faith and deeds. <clears throat> and I think this is maybe where I kind of want to stir the pot a little bit with us. As we as a. And I think this community does a good job at this. So let me know, let me say that first. I think we as a Christian culture, especially in the United States, have done a very terrible and poor job of the second part of that. We've done a great job of letting faith be within us and fill us and becoming spiritually obese, but we have not done a good job at acting that out. And what I think, what I truly think that we see with Christ's life, what we're being called to hear through Abraham is discipleship. We are called to bring fruit that brings nourishment to others. We're not called to be the tree of knowledge you know, right or wrong. We're not called to be that tree. A lot of times we want to be that tree. Guys, I'm an eight on an Enneagram. I love to argue with people and I love to tell you you're wrong. Like, I love it. Um, Like, didn't argue with me and I'll be happy to be like, no. (laughs) That's not true. Um, But that's not where Christ has brought us from. Not where he's brought us to. What he's brought us to is this life of saying, better than this, and we're going to bring people into Christ Jesus through the fruit of the Spirit because of our righteousness, because we have faith and we have action. We bring this out into people and we lift them up because of it. We want our fruit not to be fruit that brings shame and sin on people. We want our fruit to bring that, be fruit that brings life and is life-giving, that brings love, brings joy, brings mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment, says that in James as well. But then the second part of this, oh, actually, one more thing. We talk about Abraham. I think there's another person that's really cool and good at this, um, even in our modern day life. I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we're like, okay, these people lived a long time ago. Like, they don't know what we live through now. Who, who in here has heard of Robert Coleman? Anybody? a few hands. Okay, who's heard of Billy Graham? Yeah, like everybody. Um, Billy Graham has said multiple, multiple, multiple times, um, rest in peace, um, that he could not have done what he did without Robert Coleman. Robert Coleman is Billy was Billy Graham's right-hand man. So what, what Billy did is he came in and he would evangelize and he'd bring thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to Jesus. The problem is, it's something that we had seen historically through the um, what was it called? The Northeast, now I can't, of course I can't remember it now. Um, the Great Awakenings, the first and second Great Awakenings, is these evangelists would come, people would come to Jesus and they would go to church and the churches had no idea how to handle it. Like the massive influx of people. And so what they learned from this is they need to have programs and things set in place for these churches so that when Billy comes to a town, churches know how to handle it. Robert Coleman was that man. Robert Coleman is one of the most amazing in, I don't even know how to say it, like unbelievably smart uh, people when it comes to discipleship I have ever met. He um, lives in Wilmore, Kentucky, and I came from Lexington and actually got to uh, spend a few lunches and dinners with Robert Coleman, um, just with a small group of us guys every now and then. And I'm telling you, that man's fire for the Lord like I've never seen. He can barely stand on his own and he gets talking about the Lord. And I'm telling you, he gets up from his seat and is wobbling and is declaring the Lord. And I've never seen something like that from somebody in my life. But he believes so passionately that we should have faith in the Lord but that we need to disciple the fruit that brings life. So a modern day guy living this out, he's in his 90s. And I'm telling you, he's still bringing people to Christ left and right, left and right. Dinners, at restaurants that he just goes to, um, just walking down the street. People are coming to Christ because of this man, because he understands what it's like to live through faith and action. And if the band wants to go ahead and come on up, um, praise. Praise grows as we see God grow the seed within us that he has planted and bring them into maturity. So here in a second, we're gonna gonna enter into a time of praise. We're gonna enter into a time where we get to sing and declare all that the Lord has done in our lives. But even more so, we get to declare before God this gospel that he's given us. I think one of the coolest things about this series that I was so excited about. And at first I was like nervous about ending the series because I have to follow Ben and Douglas who are like awesome. (laughs) And, but then I realized as as the series was going that they were literally like putting a baseball on a tee for me and giving me the biggest Barry Bonds hit I could to hit this out of the park. But we got to talk about these past few weeks the gospel that Christ arrived so that we could bring compassion Christ arrived so that justice could be had Christ arrived to bring the new covenant that this justice that was going to happen was a new covenant it's no longer a covenant of shame but a covenant of life he arrived so that we could be clothed in his righteousness and be made a new creation. When God created Eden, he said, this is Adam, this is Eve. They are made in my image. They are the most loved of all beings. The angels bowed before them. And then sin enters into the world because of our mistake, because of man Woman's mistake. But Christ said, I'm not done with them yet. He said, No, there is a greater thing to be had than this. I will not abandon them. So many, many years later, Jesus came down from heaven, was born in a manger, into flesh and blood. He made his dwelling among us so that we could see his glory. He was raised, did ministry. He loved people. He healed people. And through all the good he did, I mean, we could say that we we did it again. We Adam and Eve, in. we sent him to the cross. But the beautiful thing was is that was God's plan. Jesus went on that cross, arms spread wide. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. And he took on the sins of the world and he said, It is finished. He, was, he died, he was buried. He descended into hell. And three days later, church, he rose from the dead. But it, again, it doesn't stop. It goes further than that. He rose from the dead and he appeared to so many people and said, death is not the end anymore. Life comes from death now. And as you die to yourselves, I will bring new flesh upon you. Bring newness to your life. And you will grow into me. And he ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father. Now as our advocate, he sent the Holy Spirit to guide us to bring us into life. So church, we get this opportunity. Please hear me. If you haven't heard anything I've said today, if you haven't heard anything from the sermons that we've been preaching the past few weeks, please hear this. That Christ did not die to just save us from our sins. He died so that our sins would be gone and forgiven so that we could be in relationship with the Lord. He took our place So we can take it. Says John that he is in the closest relationship with the Father. We now get to be in the closest relationship with the Father. So as we enter into this time of worship, there's going to be people up here, the front and the back, praying for you. If you just have anything in your life that you want to be have be prayed for, whether it's healing. Prophecies, or just, just need somebody to pray with you. You know, I prayed with a man one time at University of Kentucky. After I got done praying with him, he was weeping. I asked, "What's what was so powerful about what I said? He goes, honestly, I didn't hear anything you said, but I've never had anybody pray for me. And it moved him. It moved him so much, he didn't know what to do, but just, yeah, the Lord. if you just need, like, I just need to be prayed for. I don't even know about what, but I just feel like I need that. These people would love to pray for you. Now, I also want to invite you into a time of communion. There's communion here in the front, communion in the back. As we partake of Jesus' death, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, let us not forget what Christmas is about. A baby was born so that we may be set free that we can become this new creation. So if you'll pray with me, we'll, we'll worship. Hey, Daddy, we just thank you. Thank you for all that you are. We thank you that you are good, that you reign on high. Father, we thank you that your joy is greater than any. Father, we thank you that you gave us the opportunity to be a new creation. So, Father, today I declare freedom over this room. I declare in the name of Jesus that we are free because you have said so. I invite the Spirit, Father, that you are welcome here. Spirit, you are welcome to reside in this place. You are welcome to move freely. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to grow and to produce the fruit of the Spirit that brings righteousness and praise. We love you, Daddy. We love you so much.